This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. Coming up on this week's show, we hear from former Northern Ireland international Warren Feeney. His coaching journey has taken him to Bulgaria. How is he coping in the league? And what can he tell us about Northern Ireland's chances against Bulgaria in their World Cup qualifying group, which also has Italy, Switzerland and Lithuania? That's coming up on the programme. We'll also hear from Institute boss Sean Connor. Finally, non-elite sides are allowed to get back playing football. How will they fare? With a friendly ahead this weekend and cup competition right around the corner. All that and more right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Here we are again, another weekend closer to Christmas, a fortnight away from the big day. Now, I hope you've got your list ready for Santa. A few clubs probably be asking for a few more guaranteed wins. There's not been many of those in this very tight and tricky Danske Bank Premiership season thus far. It's great that football beyond the top flight is now going to start getting back into action. And it'll be interesting to see how things progress in the coming weeks. Sean Connor. As you just heard, the Institute Manager, he will be on the show in a little while. So we'll be talking to him, finding out how things are going with his club. And uh, they're back in action this weekend. They're playing Port Stewart in a friendly. And then the Northwest Cup to look forward to. And hopefully come January, the championship season will get underway. But we begin with a man who has been doing a very good job coaching abroad in Bulgaria, to be exact. He's back home for Christmas at the moment. And he's back on this show, Warren Feeney. It's great to be talking to you again. How are you keeping? I'm very good, thank you. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. And, you know, I'm back one day already and running around with the kids and the wife. I'm going for a get back. Oh, it's, uh, I'm sure straight back into the old habits. It's good to see everybody, well, as much as you can, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's good at the moment. Obviously, it's difficult regarding uh, the pandemic. But coming from Bulgaria, where it was a lot... Um, more relaxed because we we probably had our maybe a bit in front of you. We had our um, you know lockdown a while ago. We done it straight away and going from the the routine over mm-hmm. there into here is a bit uh, it's a bit more difficult and harder to get used to. You know. Now you've been in Bulgaria a while now. So how have you settled in? Oh, I love it. You know what? It's actually it's a year a year about three weeks ago. I've been there. Um, and it's been a it's been a difficult process, I'm being honest, because coming in just before Christmas last year, two games, then we went into winter break. I think we got five games in, then we went into the pandemic. And then um the season finished and it was just more or less building a team for uh for the new season and we got going and you know, I've probably in one year I've probably learned about 
six years. <laughs> How difficult it was, but as I said, it's it, it's a great challenge for me. Getting into their culture and um, touch wood at this moment, we're going very very well. You know, once upon a time, a language barrier would be managing someone from the northwest of the country and from maybe Newry direction for someone like you, Warren. What about being out there? No, you know what? I was a wee bit at the start, I'm not going to lie. I was out 15, 20 years ago to um, Sofia, and, and what a difference I've seen. Um, but it's a beautiful place where we are. You know, it's, it's where Dimitar Barbatov was born, about 100 yards from the stadium. They've got the, the best youth um, academy for homegrown players in the country, and they've produced a lot of, a lot of good players. Um, but, you know, it's always difficult because they, they see a foreigner coming in, um, and I've tried to change everything. And, and the good thing is that they've a good backroom staff. I've got good people around me and they've helped me. And at this moment, as I said, we're starting to see the, the success. And, you know, we're at the halfway point and we're sitting top of the league. And as I said, the fingers crossed when we go back, we can go and finish it off right. That's exactly where you want to be, isn't it? Perim Blavagrad, uh, the team that you're with, uh, hopefully I've pronounced that close to being right. Um, you pronounced it better than me the first time. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll take that. Everything's a win there. Um, but as you say, top of the tree going into the Christmas period, just how hard has that been to, to get the team there? Because I think it was about mid-table last season, wasn't it? It was. They finished before the pandemic around, I think it was about 11th. But you know what? I, I knew what I needed. I needed better players, no disrespect to the ones that were there. Um, I got rid of, I was just thinking, over the, the year I got rid of 27 players. Wow. Um, seven last Christmas. And then, uh, as I said, yeah, the majority of them in the, in the summer. And I brought in, brought up a few kids. But I brought in 15 players. And um, I wanted more quality over uh, over quantity. And, you know, to be fair, the players have been brilliant. Probably a little bit tough on some of them because... They're not used to what I want, the intensity of training. Um, getting into the culture over there, they, they, they like to keep it the way it is, the way the teams train every day. They don't get a rest. They don't get a break. They would train in the afternoon. They would train at night, even though they're full-time. So I knew gradually that it would be difficult. I would get some resistance. Um, and I changed it all the morning training. Um, we trained for an hour and a half tops. The intensities there, the boys get their time off. And I'm not going to lie, there was a few people raised their eyebrows at me. Um, you know, this is not the way we do it. And I says, well, look, this is the way I do it. And I learned off a manager before. He says, do it the way you want to do it. Because if you don't, you'll walk away with all the biggest regrets, thinking I should have done this. And now, you know, those people are coming on to me. Oh, we're sitting in this and... I just don't listen to, you know, I said we've done nothing yet. Um, trust me at the start. Got a good owner who's based in um, Boston. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's all going well at the moment, but I know football's like, it's, uh, it, it, can, it can turn around that quick. And as I said, you brought in quality players. And the good thing is I've got two, two players who played outside of Bulgaria. Um, one at PSV Eindhoven um, and one at Michelin's who uh, played Liverpool last night, I think, and, and obviously played in England, the two of them, for Fulham. So they've seen the side of the, the British style, and, and they've been fantastic for me. Um, you know, they've more or less placed the changing room, and, and it's what, you know, a manager wants. Yeah, and obviously you've had that backing then. If you've been able to make such wholesale changes, they've bought into the philosophy. It's one thing appointing you, but not every manager gets that scale of backing. No, definitely, you know, 
the, the, the two people who appointed me um, unfortunately have left the club now um, but they were a big massive you know the process for me to go there and, and, and they sold it to me um, obviously the boss is still out there and, and they work but you know it's they did they give me the back and they give me the players and you know you live and die by your signings um, and the good thing is we're in a good position as I said but a long way to go probably it's difficult because the teams you know want to beat us um, they see us as the big ones in the league and it's harder with all the hype but you know I'm not one to, to blow my own trumpet we just keep our feet in the ground let other people do the talking and you know, as I said, it's all about the players. You know, it's getting them to, to do what you want. Look, you can have the best players in the world, but you've got to get them to jail. Um, and in this moment in time, I, I said at the start, I don't think we would kick in until November. And we certainly we did. We went on a run there of, I think it was eight, eight wins out of ten and one draw and one defeat. And um, obviously the, the winter break's just come, so it's killed my momentum. <laughs> You never want that break when it's going well. No, don't. You know, there was only 15, 16 games left. If I could play them in the next 16 weeks, I definitely would, believe me. <laughs> I'm sure. When you're talking to your players, do all of them or most of them speak English or is there a translator? How does that work? Yeah, I have a translator. I don't get me wrong. There's a couple um, don't speak English, but majority of them do. And, you know, I respect the country because... It's difficult because us English and British speakers obviously think that uh, everyone should know our language. So we're going to be another country and expecting them to they understand me. So, but no, look, uh, the, the, the majority of them speak. I've got a translator, but also pick up a few words myself um, in Bulgarian. So I know what, what a couple of the, the words mean if I want them to stop or, you know, the offsides and check and, you know, the little things. So, um, but it is a difficult language to learn, believe me. Well, it's just such an interesting challenge because, you know, we've heard from, think of someone high profile like Gary Neville when he went out to Spain, not speaking Spanish and the, the difficulties we also, the difficulties he had with Valencia going to Bulgaria. It's a less accessible language than Spanish. <laughs> no, definitely. I think, you know what, I, I never even, to be honest, thought about it. I was talking to, you know, a very respectable person the other day in football and says, you're doing very well. And he said to me, you know, I'll take my hat off to you because he said, it, it takes some some braveness to to pick up and go away to Bulgaria in a country like that and you know to go in on your own at the start and uh he says it take my hat off to you and probably it probably is a big thing but you know I just never thought that I'm just you know the normal boy off the street from East Belfast and you know it's a challenge that I believe in my ability um and and, and it's something that you know it's still a long long way to go and you know probably being at Linfield I learned I learned a lot um, regarding being at Linfield with the job and with the expectations there and, you know, it set me in good stead. When you initially were approached, it sounds like you just were like, yes, I'm ready, let's go. Um, was, there, was there nobody saying, Warren, hold on a wee second here. Are you sure you want to do this? Because I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, the boy's mad. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a lot of people, believe me, my mum, but... My dad was my dad as usual. It's football, you've got to go. Um, and obviously, it was at Arge at the time. And when the phone call came, it was a wee bit uh, Bulgaria. I went at the start and then I went, yeah, I'm going to have a look at it. I went out and it's such a beautiful place. Really, really nice on the mountainside. And, but the thing is, for me, it's football. It's back into full-time football. Um, and you've got to believe in your ability. Get players playing for you is the, the big thing, you know. 
I'm a manager and I learned of probably the, the best team in the world at the minute he's managing. Um, and he says, get your players on side. And he, he still said to me, there's no right, there's no wrong, just be honest. And it's the one thing I've took with him. And that's my managerial style. I always try and be honest with the players. I don't like to give them too much information. Um, don't volunteer a lot because you'll tie yourself up. But if someone's not playing, I'll tell them why they're not playing. Um, because I've had managers myself, you know, who beat around the bush and you do work hard, you're doing this, you're doing that. But as a, a player, you only look after yourself and think, well, why am I not playing? So I try and be honest from the start with them. And, you know, I think that's what helped me when I went out. Obviously, it was difficult going out on my own, but I've got to believe and, and, and be brave enough to do that and um, earn the respect straight away. Yeah, man. Well, so far, top of the table, it's obviously starting to pay dividends. Uh, Northern Ireland have been drawn in Bulgaria's World Cup qualifying group. So Ian Barraclough might be hitting you up soon here for some uh, top tips. No, he's more than welcome, Ian. And I'm glad Northern Ireland's through, uh, through Bulgaria because, you know, they, uh, they're a population of 7 million. And the amount of abuse I have to take out there that Bulgaria is better than Northern Ireland. But I just say keep we just keep looking up at you at the rankings. Um, you know we're uh, we're 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 about twenty places higher than you, and we'll always be that. So um, I'm glad if we can uh, if I can help in any way, and um, you know keep them quiet for a while because they see their they see their uh, country is a lot better than ours. But I, I beg to differ. Um, don't get me wrong, it'll be a difficult game. You know they've got very good. Good players, technical, there's three outside the, the Bulgaria top league um, who play. And as I say, one is at Michelin's probably the best player. The boy Krastev, who Man City have signed, he's only 18, and they loaned him straight back to Slavia. But the signing for their team, Lamel, but he, he's a decent player. He went for about £2 million. Um, but the majority of the other ones are all, are all Bulgarian. Um, obviously... You know, Ian will do his homework. I know the captain of Bulgaria very well, Peter Zanev. Um, his son's in our academy, and he's a local boy. So, as I said, it is. It'll be a tough game, but it's it's one that'll be a lot. They will frustrate. It's a lot slower the league. Um, but you know, there's no bad teams in international football. Um, our director of football as well at the moment, son, is in the Bulgarian national team. So, uh, there's a lot on this for me out here. So all of you. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously your favourite player <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's uh, he's the right back so he is Strahil Popov he's out in Turkey at the moment but uh, yeah look, look I'd love I'd love some of my boys in there and I think they deserve it I'm not sure regarding the manager at the moment the Bulgarians talk he's going to lose his job and the, the manager at Chernomori in the top league will get it um, but look I have a player who scored 16 goals in 16 games and every interview I've done out there, I've said he should be given a chance, but they don't like the change. Um, they like to, to keep it the way it is. And as I said, look, when it comes to it, if Ian, anyone needs any help, you know, I'm out there, I'll be watching games left, right and centre. Um, I'm more than happy to do that and help, obviously, uh, Northern Ireland. Who's this goal scorer of yours? What's his name? His name's Pres- Preslav Yordanov. Um He's 31, but he's he's an old-fashioned centre-forward, believe it or not. Loves the train, trains every day. Um, and he's hit 16 goals in 16 games, which at any level is phenomenal. Um, 
joy to work with. And I must admit, I've got good players. You know, I spoke to, I spoke to a couple of my contacts in England. Regards one of my boys is a midfielder who I think could go and play 100% top of league ones, touching the championship. It's just people giving them the chance. You know, their their attitudes. The one thing I get out there, the attitude of them is very, very good. It's, you know, I've come across players in, in England who, and I was reading this story in Alex Ferguson today about Pogba. And don't get me wrong, Pogba's a top, top player. But he just says at a young age, he came in with the Armani, the, the reserve gate at Altrinum, and Armani and the Gucci headphones and all this hair and hats. And, you know, I must admit out there, you know, they train very, very well. Their attitudes are top class. Very, very good technically. Um, but the one secret weapon I think Northern Ireland can have can be the intensity can hurt them. Oh, look forward to that. I, I kind of hope that Bulgaria don't pick your big striker. No offence by the sounds of that. He's a bit of a threat. <laughs> yeah, well, he is a, to be fair, he's actually a British British style, as I said, you said the forward, but he's also technically very, very good. Um, you, I can tell by the smile on your face you're really enjoying your time there as well. Yeah, you know what? I love it. They've been fantastic to me. Um, and I mean, that very, very well looked after. Very, very well looked after everyone in the club. And, you know, I've got me on physio out now, um, who's British, who's from Scotland. Obviously, my assistant Andy left. Um, he went back to England there about five five weeks ago. But I've, I've got good staff. Regards, regards um, what I want over there, what, what help I need off them. And... Um, the good thing, they're all mates. We're all mates, you know. Obviously, if things need to be said, things will be said. But we're a good bunch. And, and the most important is uh, is the, um, the, the the first team. And I must admit, you know, if I'm in the gym every day, but I've never had as much salads in my life. And I'm actually <laughs> coming home to Northern Ireland thinking, I'll go into the, the, the fry up and straight away, my, my wife's going to me, what, you're eating your, your cucumbers and your... Your tomatoes, I'm just used to it for breakfast, even around to my mum's the other day, she was like bacon and eggs, I said, I don't want it. <laughs> a, a, a continental breakfast, please. So it's rubbing off on me somewhere. Warren, that, that sounds awful like when Michael Hughes came back from France. Oh, it's, I, I can imagine, you just, it's every day, you know what I mean? And where, where uh, I was laughing because, you know, you go out for your dinner out there, you'll, you'll maybe bring your starter out before your main. Um, but everything's so slow and relaxed where you'll they'll sit there for two hours, just eat, just chill out, just the little, they've got a local drink called Ricates. And they actually say it's good medicine for COVID. It's about 7% pure alcohol. Wow. <laughs> but uh, they sit there and they make it themselves, they drink it, but uh, we, we laugh because us Brits obviously go abroad and they eat the food as quickly as they can. The, Knock ten pints into them. These ones just sit there and relax, have a couple of rakes, eat their salads, and then go home and enjoy the rest of the night. Um, so it's it's getting into the cultures, and I can see that, you know, uh, what Hughes. Yeah, I can imagine when he come back uh, from France, he, he was the exact same because, you know, as I said, I'm trying to learn the language um, and I respect it. And I'm in a different country, um, and I respect everyone out there. What's the big goal for you? Obviously, promotion's the, the immediate one. If you could win the championship and get promotion, that's that's going to be massive. But long term, could you see yourself being out there for, for years to come? Or, or what would be next? Um, you know what? I would love to get in the top league. Um, I'm not going to lie. A team come in for me um, to go managing there about about seven weeks ago. Um, it would have been closer to my home. But I've built something out there. 
and in the middle of it, and I want to carry it on. Um, you know, we're in a good position. If we get into that top league, you've the you've the likes of Ludogorets, who's won the league ten years in a row. CSK Sofia, Levski Sofia, Lokomotiv Plodov, who played mm-hmm. Spurs. You've unbelievable teams. Um, Alan Pardew's just just joined CSK Sofia, and I've been in contact with him already. Um, so it would be fantastic for me and for my CV to, you know, get a promotion um, into that league. And, and as I say, once you're in there, you know, I don't want to stay there. I know it's difficult, but you want to go as far as you can. You want to attack it. And as I say, you forget to get up and then hopefully get into the, well, hopefully get into the league and then, you know, attack it. But me aim is at this moment to try and do that, keep your feet firmly on the ground. But it's a fantastic club, as I say, and it's something that I want to do. You know, the long term, I think, in football is difficult. Um, nowadays, the longest manager in Bulgaria is actually three years. Um, Ludogorets have, I think Ludogorets had six, get this right, six managers in two years, and they've won the league 10 years in a row. So it just shows <laughs> what, what's expected. But as I say, they're, they're a fantastic club as well, fantastic training facilities. And um, it, it's something that it does excite me. Yeah, and particularly those teams you mentioned, when you see them in European football, um, it, it shows you the avenue there because Ludogorets have, have represented the country very well when they've got into Europe. Oh, they're, you know, they've got a B team in our league and obviously we go over to their training ground, but their training facilities are probably the top six I've ever seen. They are that good. Um, you know, and they've obviously players, they've brought a lot of players in from Brazil and you know, all around in Romania. Um, you know, they're a very, very good side. Um, play football the right way. Probably probably the most intense, to be honest, they're outside Bulgaria. Um, you know, because, of, as I said, you have a lot of foreign players. Um, but, you know, you, you just have to look at the European. They're in Europe every year. And, but also, you got to look at the, the Sofias. They're the big teams for me. Levski, CSK still. Um you know, the most the most crowds and uh it's something that you want to get into. Yeah, most certainly. And in terms of like from your time in the Irish League, obviously with Linfield and Ards, just how how different the landscape is Bulgaria. Obviously that you've a full time setup. No, it it is. You know, it's something I wanted to do at Linfield and, and as I said before, you know, Linfield hadn't won the league in three years and I knew that they needed a change. Um you know, people forget I put a fin- I walked out of Linfield when they were top of the league. Um and you know, it was a decision I made because I probably would have stayed the day I left, they offered me a two year deal and I think the free offered me ten days before that I'd have stayed. Um but I was building something there as well and I knew we'd win the league within three years. Um you know, you look at Jurgen Klopp, it was four years, uh Liverpool and you just don't you know, turn a switch on and, and think it's going to happen. Um, but I was believing in what I was doing. Uh, and, you know, get into the football full-time side of it, which you see a lot of the teams are doing over here now. It's something that I think they should be doing um, because, you know, you're going into Europe against the, these teams, even the Faroe Islands teams now. There's no easy games in them. You know what I mean? I watched the, the game against Glens Hearn in Europe this year and the Glens got through. But you could see the fitness levels of the Furloughs, even that's we a summer league, to to where we were. Um, so I think we've got to give ourselves every single chance now. And it would be fantastic to see more Irish league teams do it. I know Lawrence 
Lawrence doing it and Nerald in a, a very strong team at this moment in time. We're in for a cracking game tomorrow night. Um, but as I said, it's it's something that I'm used to all my life and it's something that players should should want to buy into as full-time football. In terms of, you know, where you're at, I mean, is that somewhere else Irish League players could be looking at? Should they be looking at different European leagues to, to spread their wings? And, and should clubs in Europe be looking at some of our top Irish League players rather than just the old get-in-the-England scenario? A hundred percent, you know, because the one thing is that they've got intensity. Um, I, I say that, you know, what I love, I give wee Paul Smith his debut at Linfield. And what I loved about the kid at 16, he just gets hit, he gets up, gets on me. Um, in men's football, Gavin White, in men's football, not coming up through academies, not, you know, getting through the YTS system then. And in two years, they're playing men's football straight away in Europe. And, and to be honest, I wouldn't be scared to take, take players. The only difficult is, it's probably the homesickness for them. It's difficult for them to, to move across. Um, that's one thing you've got to take. I know Joel Cooper this moment has gone to England and he might be coming home. But it's one thing you've got to overcome. And that is my only worry because you know what Northern Ireland's like. Um, everyone loves their home and everyone wants to see their mommy and daddy. So, uh, and knows everyone else. But it, it's that step you've got to take. But football-wise, definitely, you know what I mean? Obviously, it'll take you time to adjust into the physicality and the, and the full-time environment. But, I don't see why not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. It's it's probably one thing in my career that I regret was not going abroad and playing because I, I would love to have done it. And just as I said, it's the different cultures you get used to. Yeah, well, you're doing it now as a manager. You took that leap of faith and uh, so far so good. It's it's great to see. And uh, maybe a wee cup game against Alan Pardew would be a, a nice one if it came about. Yeah, it would be. Um as I said, gee, look, I, I spoke to him and we're going to have, uh, after the winter break, we're going to go for dinner. And I think you've got to lean on, on people like that because, you know, being out there and he's another British person, um, you know, if we've got contacts with, with them and regarding players, uh, you know, you, you, you're stupid if you don't. And as I said, we'll go and... Uh, We'll go and have dinner first and then hopefully get them in the cup and beat them after. <laughs> I would love to see a, a Warren Finney, Alan Pardew dance-off. I think that's what the world needs. <laughs> <laughs> I want you off. If you're looking at the CSK fans, believe me, you wouldn't. Uh, very, very <laughs> passionate. Uh, but th- and that's the good thing as well, which I like out there. The fans are very are proper fans, very, very passionate about their teams. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'm really enjoying it. It's a fantastic place. The kids... And the family's been over and, and they've been well looked after. And it was funny, they came over last uh, last February. And obviously they were out all summer, but it was about 17 degrees in uh, February. And my kids are straight down to the pool and people stand on me amazement. I'm going, what, what's wrong? They're going, it's freezing, it's freezing. <laughs> I said, it's 17 degrees, we'll be sunbathing in Belfast. <laughs> uh, it's still classed as their winter because uh, obviously the snow and the ski resort's open, but you know, typical, uh, <laughs> typical Belfast ones straight away into the into the water at 17 degrees. And uh, yeah, so they look on the amazement. So everyone's on the touchline in their suits, Warren, and you're there in a pair of shorts. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> you know what? You're, you're spot on, Michael, to be honest. I come in every morning in the winter with my jumper on, my shorts, my flip-flops, and then get my kit. And that's the truth. They used to just stand and look at me. Um and just think, is this is this person for real? But it's just something that I like. I like to feel relaxed and I like to to feel loose. But uh, you know what's funny? Being back, 
at this moment. I actually feel colder over here. When I left there, it was minus seven. Wow. Um, but it's the wind chill here. It's a lot colder where there you're just, you get up, you're used to it. But I thought the, the wind was a bit, a bit colder here, you know. <laughs> um, are you going to be able to take in a game over Christmas? Or are you planning to go see an Irish League match? Yeah, I'm going to try and get as many as I can. Um, I, love, I, love the, I love the football. I watch the games on the, um, on the, the BBC. I join in. Um, on the, uh, as I said, I'm not great with the, with the laptops, but I joined in the, uh, the BBC app on my laptop and I watch, I watch as many as I can and, and, and enjoy it. You know, I still take a big interest in, in the, the, the football. And yeah, I'm going to try and get as many as I can. I'm going to go down and watch my cousin as well at Lee at Bangor and see how he's getting on. So. Well, there you go. Our, our listeners in Bangor have to keep a wee eye out for you. Obviously, everything's still socially distanced, <laughs> but um, they'll be just so glad to get back. Obviously, uh, anybody outside the elite status clubs have, have been hit so hard this year, Warren, as you know. Oh, it's been horrible. And I'm in a few WhatsApp groups with people and even friends, just junior football and even the wee boys at, uh, the wee boys at Glen Torrent and Decant at this moment in time. And uh, it is, it's horrible. And look, I totally understand and the frustrations of people, but you know we are in a bad pandemic, and, and safety is is first and foremost the best. Um, but look, I'll be so glad and a relief to just get out and you know yourself, a sport and football especially. The minds just come off everything and and go and enjoy it. Yeah, well, uh, you're a man who I'm sure every manager feels pressure, but you never really show it, Warren. You've always got a big smile on your face. You always look like you're enjoying it, and uh, for the most part. So uh, I don't know what your secret is, but keep doing it. <laughs> when you have four kids and four dogs on their own, that's pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, football, just go and enjoy it. Whatever it'll be, it'll be. That's the way I look at it. It's a brilliant message to finish on. Uh, lovely catching up with you and uh, hopefully bump into you over the Christmas period. Warren Feeney, thank you for coming on The Score. Brilliant. Tom, man, thank you. The Score with Michael Clark. There you go, the Perrin boss there, top of the second tier in Bulgarian football, our very own Warren Finney. Lovely to have him on the programme, and we have our next guest lined up and ready to go, and I'm sure he is thrilled to be talking football again after so long without it. Welcome back onto the score, Institute Manager Sean Connor. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Michael. I think I think the last time we spoke I was a Premiership Manager, and I'm a Championship Manager, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll hope that only lasts for a season, Sean. Fingers crossed. I hope that's the, that's the plan, you know. But we know it's going to be. It's not going to be easy because I'm sure there's there's plenty of other clubs with the same aspirations that we have, which is obviously to get back to the Premiership. But uh, I'm very happy. I think we've recruited well over the over over the summer, which seems a long time ago now to be talking about recruitment over the summer. But uh, yeah, we've recruited well. And we're looking forward to to the campaign when if it starts when whenever it starts. We've heard from different Championship clubs in the. the- different challenges I guess that have faced them over the the past number of months but I think it's fair to say Institute have probably had the hardest time out of everybody when you consider how the the Premiership campaign finished everything that went after that and where we are now. Yeah I think look it's you know it's we're raking over old ground here but it's very easy for us to as I said at the time to feel sorry for ourselves there's no doubt about it I think we were we were dealt an injustice in terms of there were seven games left five of those at home and, and we weren't relegated on the pitch albeit look we were we were in that relegation spot uh, for obviously very good reasons but I felt that we had enough about us to to get and really all we needed to do was get above Warren points and, and we were denied that opportunity. So that's that's the infuriating thing. But at the time, look, 
it was very, very important how we bounced back and how we bounced back as a as a club, as a, a Harai bounced back as the manager. And I think the players really were taking my particular lead from from my attitude. So, look, that, all that was outside our control. All we can control now is how we prepare and how we how we plan to get ourselves back there as quickly as possible. And so much has been out of your control because even when you thought you had a start date, it got pushed back, and, and now we know it's pushed back into the new year again in terms of your league aspirations. Um, what's that been like to try and manage? Very, very difficult because look, you know, I'm, I'm not the only manager, and we're not the only club in this in, in this scenario. You know, to get your players training, preparing for a season, you had a couple of pre-season friendlies under your belt, and then obviously the first lockdown came, and then you got back to training for a bit, and then suddenly you weren't allowed to play, and then obviously there was the elite status issue, which I think led to all the managers getting together and and voicing our concerns, and voicing our concerns on on, on two issues, you know, mainly player welfare and, and the mental health and well-being of our players, and you know, I know at, at, at the club here, you know, we, we, we came up with a solution where we, we set up mentor groups where there's three or four players in a group and, the, and the, 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 a couple of mentors, one within the club and one from outside the club where they can go and talk to and, and, and speak openly and frankly about maybe some of the problems or some of the concerns. And then uh, as, a, as a manager, as a, as, a, as a board, then we can get involved when we, when we think it's necessary. But we found that very, very necessary to help our players which is a, is a strange and a crazy situation to be in you know obviously it was deemed that teams outside of the premiership weren't elite i mean what, what was your fundamental argument there to say look we should be elite and this is wrong well i think our our, our fundamental argument came from the fact that there's professionals in this league uh, our fundamental argument came it wasn't an argument it was basically we wanted questions answered we wanted to know you know what was the reason and what was the rationale behind it who made the decision and, and that's that forced us to come out with our statement but thankfully thankfully we've had we've had good support from NIFL and from our own chairman and our own NIFL reps and uh, we're, we're getting to a situation now where, uh, there, where there's talking going on and as you say we're looking back to playing football so we can get back as we wanted to do as, as coaches and managers preparing teams to play you know and but there, there was other implications and like I know already of one chap one championship club who have lost players uh, to the League of Ireland uh, because of the uncertainty around around the start date of their season and and you know when we're going to play and if we're going to play so I think what we did at the time was was basically want to have dialogue and you know thankfully we, we've had that dialogue. It's been constructive, and I think we're making progress in, in the right way. And I think, you know, all we asked for was the leaders within our football to step up, and and it, it looks like they're going to do that. So that's 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 the positives that's, that's come out of that. I, I promise any Institute fans listening will talk about your upcoming matches very soon, but I just wanted to ask you about, because it's the one fear people have, <laughs> I think, Sean, is, you know, is there a chance we could have the plug pulled again here and, you know, the, the non-elite teams all of a sudden can't play after only just coming back? Well, obviously that's, you know, until until the elite statuses are confirmed or until we start our season, there's always that worry. But as I say, look, we've now had uh, good discussions. Each manager's had good discussions with their chairman, with their reps. Uh, and we've also had good good conversations with the people at NIFL. And we believe, as I say, that we're making strides in the right progress and we're making strides in the right way. And that we're confident that once we do start, that then we, we should get our season complete. 
and that's something you'll you'll need assurances really soon, won't you? From Niffle, you'll need them to come out and say for definite, uh, rather than get started next next week in the in the cup. Well, look, listen, obviously, what, what, yeah, look, what we don't want to do is we, we you know we, we don't want to try and force any any unnecessary uh, deadlines. I think everyone now is aware, you know, the the championship committee, the the Niffle board, everybody's aware of the concerns of the players and the managers at the championship clubs. And and there we are also aware of, of their the difficulties that they had they had to surmount, and and some of the rationale maybe behind uh, the initial decision. But I think I'm quite confident that uh, calmness and 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 the, the right decision will be made, uh, and that we will get the season started. But you're right, the worry is there's a draw coming up for the Irish Cup, and you know on the 9th of January if. If the championship clubs aren't able to play, but well, what happens to those Irish Cup matches? So, look, there's implications for every club here, and I think for me, the most important thing is that I say is that we see some unity uh, from 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 all the all the leaders in, in football, and and I'm sure everybody wants the same thing. We as many of our teams playing as possible, and we want to have a have a full and competitive season in the championship, like we're ha- already having in the Premiership. So, I think I think everybody wants the same thing. And look, we're grow- we've all lived in Northern Ireland, so we understand the difficulty <laughs> in, in negotiations in this country. So uh, I'm quite sure that uh, uh, if, if the we can get together and get this sorted out. Looking to this weekend, you've got a friendly. Um, your players obviously had a few friendlies previously. This one is with a view to getting fit before the Northwest Senior Cup semi-final next weekend. So it's uh, it's a good time for the club, isn't it? Finally, something nice to focus on. Oh, it's it's fantastic. I wouldn't say it's about getting fit because the players the players have had a sixteen sixteen week preseason, <laughs> and uh, yeah. do you know, Michael, the, the the days of players going away and coming back to preseason at stone overweight are long gone. So, uh, and that was part of the reason why you know I, I believe I believe we have a group of elite players because they've looked after themselves very very well. What this Saturday does is look. It's not ideal because obviously you'd like to train before you play, but it's an opportunity for the players to get some game time. You know, we'll we'll bring up the whole squad and we'll, we'll probably play two teams for 45 minutes so it's not going to be uh, too exerting on the players it's just to get them back get them into, into the feeling of the ball and then we'll hopefully we'll get back at it the following week and we'll prepare really really well for the, the semi-final of the Northwest Cup uh, and then that if you can win that you've obviously got another game after Christmas and then that leads into January so we have a busy period now the next three three weeks to get the boys ready uh, they've been chomping at the bit uh, and they're really, you know, they they got frustrated, but they're ready to play. And uh, hopefully, Saturday will be a will be an uplifting day for everybody, you know, irrespective of of the result. And I'm not really worried about the result on Saturday. It's about getting the boys out in the park and and getting them back together again. Yeah, well said. And uh, what a nice thing to be able to say. Potentially, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, you could be saying before we've even started our league campaign, we've won a cup. Well, you know, it's, no matter what club you're at, and uh, I'm sure any manager will tell you this, that, uh, you know, if you win a cup, no matter what the cup is, it's it's always a nice wee bonus. And, yeah, we could hope, if we get to the final, we've got Derby, so it'll be a really competitive and difficult game. But, yes, it would be a lovely way to start off your season to have a have a cup. Uh, I think I think it's about six or seven years since the club last won or even contested a final. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something to look forward to. We came close last year. We got to the semi-final of the League Cup, uh, only to lose the Crusaders. So we'd like to go one step further this year. Any cup final you're in as a player, as a manager, is always something to look forward to. Definitely agree with you there, Sean. It's been great catching up with you. Um, 
fair play to you for all the hard work that's gone in probably behind the scenes that people haven't a clue about but certainly from speaking to fellow championship managers i know you've been a very busy man fielding phone calls so um thankfully it looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel Definitely. Well, look, one thing I want to say is that uh, every one of the managers, all the 12 championship managers, uh, really were, were great lads. And, uh, we, you know, we all, we, we all had the, the slogan, one voice, one game. And that's all we tried to do. We tried to make our voice heard. And, uh, and as I say, I believe that, you know, the people now at the top of the game understand the situation. And I think they probably had the same, the same vision as we have so it's just making that happen now and you know hopefully everybody will understand that it is one voice it is one game and and we, all we want is the best for for our clubs for our supporters and the, and the communities in which we work and that's really really important brilliant uh, thank you for coming on to the show this week sean appreciate it the score with michael clark we are now at that time in the programme where we talk all things local football with Colin Hopkins and get his thoughts on how this weekend's fixtures will go. Colin, welcome back onto the show. Nice to be back again once again, Michael. I said this a little earlier on. I think your predictions went pretty well last week. Well, anyway, I'll be honest, I can't even remember what predictions I made. If it went well, it must be a one-off to be honest. So I can't agree with that. I could be remembering it incorrectly, but what stuck in my mind was I said, oh, pour it down, Balamina. There's a game with goals. And you went, uh, I think it's going to be a draw. And it was a nil-nil. <laughs> Bit of a boring nil-nil as well. From what I can see of it. You know, so, there you go. It'd be interesting to see how the table would have been doing this year. I had the prediction. You know, you know my luck, I'd probably been sitting clear top of the top of the table this season. But that's typical of me. But we'll see how it goes this weekend. I don't know if anyone would be doing well in predictions this season the way the league has gone so far it's been incredibly unpredictable even by its own standards it's been very very crazy <laughs> there's, there's results you're looking at you know, what? you know I mean even the even other night I mean Porter Guy going destroying Dungan Swift and things like that there you, know, you didn't see that sort of result be coming I thought Dungan would sort of get the result there and all of a sudden they hammered it home to Dallas you know so that's, been, that's only one result of, of numerous ones that have happened this season which have went against the grain so to speak and you just look at the table you think yourself they're second bottom they're third bottom what's going on here to be honest you know so it's, uh, it's been a bizarre season both on and off the pitch it certainly it certainly has I mean if you look at the, the league table before we even get started into this Warren Point are sixth Coleraine are tenth Glentorn are eleventh you know there's uh, definitely a few head scratchers there it's early doors so um, it'll settle down perhaps eventually but um, we'll get into the, the men's premiership in a minute. I wanted to give a mention to the Danske Bank women's premiership, which, as we know, earlier this week got its champion. Glen Torin were firmly in the driving seat anyway, but had they have lost against Crusaders, Strikers and Linfield 1, which they did against Derry City, there was a chance that Linfield would be waiting for a favour from Sion Swift's But Ultimately, Glen Torin got the job done with a 2-0 win and have uh, regained the title. Yeah, it's a nice change, obviously, <laughs> to see the title going to the East of the City this time around, as opposed to where it normally finishes off at Linfield, to be honest. But uh, fair play to Lentorna. Yes, it was a, a tough season like the men's end is, a much, much shortened season. They were only able to play each other once. Uh, but you had to hit the ground running and so forth, and Lentorn from to their grabs from the open game right through to the final game sort of did. And, and they had to, because towards the end, Linfield were putting on a bit of a head of steam and looked like they sort of could reel them in, to be honest, but Lentorn just weren't dropping points. And eventually, they got over the finish now. And, Fantastic uh, performances by them, and congratulations to everybody, all the girls at the on well them screwing the title. I think that now they hold now four different trophies. And I've seen the Irish Cup, County Antrim Cup, 
the league itself. And I can't think for me what the fourth one is, but they definitely have four different trophies. I think they'll probably be the first side to actually do that in the history of the, the women's game we here locally. Brilliant bragging rights for Glen Torren, and uh, from what I've seen of them, certainly they have played very, very well. Yeah, very much so. To be honest, a lot of young players come through, as a lot of the clubs have at the moment. Has to say, but certainly Glen Torren seem to have the cream of the crop, and a few other players now featuring the Northern Ireland squad as well. To be honest, and I think future looks bright for them, as it does for Linfield as well. Overall, the women's game, you know, the standards came on leaps, leaps and bounds over this last couple of years. To be honest, and I pretty expect that to continue to develop as, as the season goes on. County Antrim Cup, League Cup, Irish Cup and the Women's Premiership are your four, so you're 100% right. It's, uh, it shows you um, something good is happening there. They're, they're doing yeah. very well. Yeah, fair play to Billy Clark. He's got the girls all around motivated, to be honest, you know, and, and this is playing very much as a unit. As I say, a lot of the girls I would work with sort of last season in terms of the foot zone, and you could see the sort of the individual skill level and so forth. But to see it now on the, the big pitch sort of really come to light as well as a great way forward for them as a club so and Champions League to look forward to next season as well so and the riches that come with it so that should be very encouraging one as well as almost don't get a, a massive draw in the early stages to be honest you know, but it's always something to look forward to for the guards a trip to Europe and so forth and another slice of history too in that that was the first ever women's premiership match to be broadcast by the BBC um, I've in the past been lucky enough to work on League Cup and Irish Cup finals, but I was at home, I was watching that, and it's another uh, brilliant step in the right direction for where the women's game is going, and I guess it just comes off the back of the international uh, good feeling after some tremendous performances from Kenny Shields' women. People now want to see more of it, and the broadcasters are starting to show more of it. Yeah, well, it's very much good to see. Um, I mean, a few years ago when we first started getting involved, it was, the interest was pretty limited, if you want to put that way. But as you say, now things have started to grow. All of a sudden, the, you know, the, the performances of the international team of people's ears have picked up and thought, hold on, you know, there's women's football out there that's quite much. And yes, it still has its critics, which I think is very, very harsh. To be honest, I mean, I think we need to get into a position where we realise that, yes, we've got men's football. Yes, we've got women's football. To me, much as they're the same rules, they are very much different games. Their approach in a different way and you know the, the women's football isn't as wouldn't say violent that's not the word I'm looking for but it's not as physical as the men's uh, certainly there's a lot lot more sort of be admired about it there's no feigning injuries or trying to get your opponents sent off or all things like that they so just get on with the game fitness levels are first class skill levels are improving time on time so it's, it's really good to see the development of the game overall in here in Northern Ireland yeah I, I second that entirely now on to uh, the men's premiership and what a game speaking about televised matches Lorne against Linfield oh uh, this is bound to be a cracker isn't it I think so to be honest especially the fact that it's in the park under the lights on a Friday night big TV coverage you know this is this is the one we all want to see to be honest so I fully expect uh, both sides that they're really go for it for, to get the result in terms of it unbeaten Lauren against second place Linfield a little bit determined to make sure there's, there's no gap opens up in, at the top of that table and if you're David Healy going into this one you can afford a draw I don't think Linfield need to come into this game and go out and prove a point or, or anything like that as the defending champions a team only one point behind Lauren both have played nine matches they could go to Inver conceivably and be quite patient and wait for a mistake or wait for an opening and try and exploit that? Well, they could do it. At the end of the day, I don't think either side would refuse a draw. Well, no one said they would refuse it, but at the end of the day, if it hands off, as a 
draw. I don't think either side of the way. I think it's the end of the world from that sort of viewpoint. It's going to be a hard game, you know, for them to get over there and get the result. Lauren, especially, at almost proved very, very durable this season. Um, yes, they've ruled their luck in a couple of games this season, but as we've seen probably even last week against Tanabana, they left it very, very late. They did that late winner last week, and they were maybe a little bit fortuitous, I thought, in the end. But once again, that's the sign of a decent side. You grind, you grind, eventually you get the results from it. But as you say, they're Linfield and Uppies are going gung-ho. They'll be going out there with that's an attitude, and if they can come away with the three points, they'll be extra delighted, and they'll come away with a draw. They'll not be too concerned about it. And if you're Lauren, what do you think the approach is there? Uh, is this a is this a game where you do feel a bit of pressure because you're top of the table? This is the champions coming to town. This is your chance to obviously open up a bit of a gap, but also show that you are a team that could go on and win this league. There is that added, added bit of extra pressure. I think I agree with you there, to be honest. You know, all of a sudden, people are sort of starting to talk about Lauren in that potential winner's bracket. You know, if you are going to win it, as I've said before, in many occasions, if you're going to win the league, you have to finish above Linfield. And this is Lauren's chance to prove to a national audience that they are capable of not only, you know, sort of beating Linfield, but obviously opening a gap between them and the top of the table. And it's, it's extra pressure for them. But at the same time, I think the players are all professional to, to handle it in a professional manner. So I think they'll give, give a good account of themselves on the night. Well, Linfield have already beaten Lauren in one place. And that yeah. is in the battle for Joel Cooper. Because yes. earlier on, um, well, on Thursday, Stephen Beacom broke the news on Twitter. Um, tip of the hat to Mr. Beacom for uh, revealing that Joel Cooper was on his way back to Linfield. That's going to be a loan deal kicking off in January, obviously, when the transfer window opens again. And if anyone was wondering if Lauren were one of the clubs battling for him, because obviously it was heavily rumoured, Kenny Bruce, the club's owner on Twitter, said that they tried their best, but on this occasion he wasn't able to deliver for the club, which is probably a very hard view to take on himself. He, he really wanted Joel Cooper by the looks of that tweet by Mr. Yeah. Bruce, but simply he, he's gone back to the club that he left. Yeah, we all know the quality of Joel Cooper at the end of the day. You know, it's, I mean, from a Linfield perspective, it's, it's a great coup. Not only could he get him, but obviously prevent other sides getting them, and I think that's just every bit as important from their viewpoint. As the world fit into the team, I mean, the team are playing well at the moment. It'll be interesting to see exactly where they squeeze him in, but there's no doubt he's a quality, quality, quality player. You know, that could well be the difference coming into the season in terms of winning the league and finishing his runners-up. And I just wonder if that little tussle for Joe Cooper, whether that'll maybe spur Larn on to turn their attention elsewhere, now that they've, you know been thinking about bringing in an addition in an attacking sense will they now cast their eyes to someone else and who might that be it'll be uh, one to watch I would imagine in terms of this game which as I say it's going to be on BBC 2 Lauren against Linfield what is your gut telling you Colin Hopkins is there going to be a winner here or are you going to sit on the fence I think there is going to be a winner and I think Lauren will come away with the three points Ooh. and really put a cat amongst the pigeons watch and see well, there you go. There you go, everybody. What do you reckon? Is Colin right? He's backing Larn to pick up the win at Inver Park against the Blues on Saturday. There are four three o'clock kickoffs. That is because on Monday, Glenavon and Cliftonville is on Sky Sports at 7.45. And um, it's, it's busy next week in terms of uh, sports action because on Tuesday, Glen Torren play Warren Point and there's a Friday game as well. But all that in due course. We'll, we'll reflect on that in a week's time. Let's look at the Saturday games, and shall we start? I'm going to go to this one. It'll be my third time in about 10 days going to the venue. 
back to Seaview for me. Crusaders against Portadown. Yeah, indeed. You seem to be the lucky charm for Crusaders. Mind you, you haven't said that. Everybody seems to be claiming you as a lucky charm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is. Who's the unlucky person? It makes a change. <laughs> obviously, you're, I think you were there at the game last week. I mean, they put on a very solid performance, I thought, against Glentorn last week. Crusaders have showed they're certainly not out of the mix. And that's what really point. You know, they had to battle hard against a, a Glen Torn side. They obviously brought back a lot of their, their big-name players, but ultimately, considers at CV had enough to, to get the result. And, and what a fantastic goal, obviously, by Ross Clark. I mean, that was a, a Jordy Bay's type run, to be honest. Um, absolutely scintillating goal. So hopefully, maybe you'll see another one of those come Saturday as well. I certainly wouldn't be complaining. He deserves all the plaudits as well. He had a very good game, created a lot of the problems that uh, Crusaders were able to pose Glen Torrin. And a frustrating afternoon for Glen Torren, where they must have been wondering, why are we not scoring these chances? They did create a really good chance in the second half for Jay Donnelly. Wonderful delivery. I think it was a Dale Gorman free kick. Drops in the middle of the box. Donnelly unmarked, and he played well. So it's it's not a knock in his overall performance. But in the middle of the box, with what felt like the freedom of North Belfast, he couldn't head it into the goal. And... As we know, they later on conceded the penalty, and then Ross Clark, with a bit of individual brilliance, wrapped it up 2 0 Crusaders. And Stephen Baxter, understandably, was very pleased because it now puts them right back in that mix again for the teams tussling at the top. And if they had a lost, maybe more pressure would have mounted there. Yeah, quite possibly. So, uh, an interesting stat from us because, as, you know, as uh, our old friend Marcia Gillespie revealed, that's uh, Stephen Baxter's 450th win, I think, as Crusaders manager. So, that in itself speaks volumes as very well he's done, obviously, as manager at, at Seaview. Uh, yeah, he'll be absolutely delighted that they've kept their neck in this title race. They're still a little bit behind, but, you know, the defeat there, you know, and the gap opens up even further. So, he'll be absolutely delighted that they've kept themselves in the running with that title of three points last Saturday. Only five points off the top, and they might be hoping for a Larnlin field draw. What about Porta Down? Um, definitely bouncing back. Bouncing back, yes, but still a matter of being a wee little bit of inconsistency. I think we still need to so certainly address. I mean, we did see a fantastic win during the week there against Dungannon. Um, but if you make it the corner going straight into the net, whether you think he meant it or whether it was just one of those nights or whatever the situation is, I'd rely a wee bit on that and obviously a penalty save as well. But overall, good value for their further win against Duncan. But then, as I said last week on the show, we were very poor a couple of games prepared at, you know, against Cliftonville. They looked very, very average against Cliftonville and Cliftonville easily destroyed them. And then the game after that, I don't think they were massively fantastic against Ballymena at home to be honest last week in the the nil-nil thriller it was, you know, uh, but once again, so they need to iron out that inconsistency. You know, they proved the other night that they can get results. It's just important now to get how to get a bit of a run together. Okay, so your thoughts on it? Who's going to win? I think home advantage will swing in Crusaders' favour. Uh, I think I'll predict a home win for Crusaders now. Okay, now Glen Torn against Carrick Rangers, and before we talk about the game, uh, our thoughts with everybody, um, and obviously he's a former down player and Lauren to Jerry Thompson. Hard to believe yeah. that this week was a year since his untimely passing and certainly I can remember where I was when I, I heard that news and he's uh, in our thoughts all the time but particularly this weekend as Carrick Rangers prepare to play. Yeah, I'm certainly echo those thoughts 100%. Michael, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I think it is a year already, to be honest, but that's that's the journey of lifetime for us. It marches on very, very quickly and uh, our thoughts are certainly with Jerry as well, you know, this, this time. On the football front, Carrick Rangers, bottom of the table. 
it just hasn't felt like there has been much luck going their way. But I don't think anybody who follows Glen Torren will feel sympathetic when it comes to luck. They'll look at the table and say, well, we've almost uh, the same problem. You know, six points after seven games. There's not the start there, to say the very <laughs> least, that they were expecting, let alone hoped for. And no, think... um, if they lose here, Colin, they'll go bottom and Carrick will leapfrog them. Fascinating. I think if you and I had been talking at the start of the season, that this would have been a, a bottom of the table clash. Nah, it's not going to happen. But uh, that's what exactly where it is. I think the big issue here for Carrick is obviously the lack of goals. To be honest, I think they've only scored seven goals so far in the league. I think four of them came in one match. So you take that out of the equation, they really are struggling to score goals massively, and that's the situation they'll really have to address. And it's a difficult one to address to be honest, because if nobody's finding the net on a regular basis, it's hard all of a sudden to, to start that sort of sequence going. So that's that's a tricky one to just retain down on. As you say, Glenn Torn, to be honest, I mean, they must be looking at the thing, hold on, what's going on? I know Mick has come out quite a bit and said, oh, we're not under pressure, we're not under pressure. Really, realistically, they have to be under pressure, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of players are on big, big money and so forth, and uh, to be honest, for some reason, the results are just not coming their way. And they really need to start getting two points on the board very, very quickly. And with the greatest respect to my hometown club, is this the game that maybe it changes for Glen Torren because they're looking at a Carrick Rangers team who've had it tough in terms of trying to get goals, haven't had a wonderful start to the season, and maybe this is the game where Glen Torren can assert their dominance. Certainly, there's no question they are the side with a you know a far bigger squad. They can call on um, plenty of players that should have the ability to get the job done here. Yeah, it's going to be a hard one for character to go in and get some sort of result to be honest. Because I'm torn in the last home night, and obviously they've gone about a side of a sort of reckoned with a certain of the ovals over this season to be honest. And I think it's going to be a very, very tough ask for character to go to get any form of result and get off the bottom of the table. It's it's worrying times, I think, for you know for Carrick Rangers even at this early stage in the season because they really need to get a start, get a few wins. But as we have said earlier, there's been some cruising results, some cruising scorelines. So who knows how the next few weeks will bring. Okay, only a couple of minutes left in the programme, so let's rattle through uh, these final two Saturday games. Dungannon, Balamina. Balamina have put their goalkeeper, Ross Glendinning, up for sale, and also Cather Freil. Two different reasons. Glendinning hasn't been getting into the side, whereas Freil has breached uh, some disciplinary policy, apparently. So um, that's a bit unsettling. Will it affect them on match day? Well, they've been doing pretty well recently. I mean, they're four consecutive clean sheets now for Balamina, and I'm informed that that's the first time that's happened since 2012, which is almost a decade ago. So, so they're doing something right at the back. They're not conceding too many. They are starting to find the net on a bit more regular basis, and they are sitting fourth in the table. So all of a sudden, you know, Balamina have a lot more to smile about than the one they had sort of in this end last month. Dungannon need to sort of really start stop leaking goals. <laughs> they just can't stop leaking them. It's 17 conceded in their 16 or something so far. So it's important they somehow find that mechanism to stop the goals going on the other end. So. But it could be an interesting game. Person as to who will come out top, I think Palomina have enough in the tank to get away with the result of staying on. Okay, and finally, and very briefly, please, Colin, Coleraine and Warren Point. Coleraine and Warren Point. Coleraine, I don't know what's going on up there. I don't know anybody what's, what's actually happening at the Warren Point, the complete opposite, finding a great run of form. And uh, our goal for that one has been my score draw of the week. Oh, there you go, score draw of the week. Sorry, Korean fans, if you're hoping to turn a corner, Colin doesn't think it's going to happen against an inform or in point town. And uh, we do have time to get a, a one-word answer on Glenavon, Cliftonville on Monday in front of the Sky cameras. What's your thoughts? I think we'll go for a home win on that one. 
home win to Glenavon. Hey, uh, we'll have to apologise to everybody at this rate. Glenavon <laughs> <laughs> struggling away from home at the moment, so that's why I went for that. Yep, no problem at all. Well, not a bad prediction, um, certainly. Uh, what are they in terms of Glenavon? Seventh in the table, nine points. Cliftonville fifth in the table, 12 points, having played a game extra. That's us out of time, Colin. Thank you for your company, as always. Great to have you on the show. Yep, nice to be back Michael. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, until next time, all that remains to be said from Colin Hawkins and myself is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye. <laughs>